Hello, and welcome back to We Are the Weirdos, Mister, the podcast for all things cult, camp, queer, and creepy. I am your host, Hillary Michelle Post, and I am joined by my sister, Lacey Mason. Say hi, Lacey. Good morning. How are you doing this morning? Uh, Fat and sassy. (laughs) I'm double fisting it. I got my cup of water and my cup of coffee. I'm ready to rock and roll. Me too, but I'm already like, don't touch it, because you're going to have to pee here in like 15 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Before we get started, I have some um, funny celebrity internet drama that I want to share, because I'm I'm very much online, but Lacey isn't compared to me, so I want to share completely unrelated to what we're talking about today. Do you want to hear some goss? Of course. Okay. (laughs) by the time people hear this, this is going to be old news, but I don't care. It's so funny. And I had to tell you. So Jensen Ackles and his wife have their own like little production company. Right. And a news article dropped yesterday that both Jensen and Daniil shared on Twitter that they are in work in talks with the CW and with one of the writers, the original writers from supernatural to make a um, prequel show about Mary and John Winchester, Sam and Dean's parents, like about how they met and fell in love and all their monster hunting and stuff. Um, sidebar, that's a terrible idea that nobody wants. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad it's as, not just me, but yeah. Oh. Yeah. As a huge Supernatural fan, even I am saying, no, no, we don't want this. Please don't do this. Um, that's but that's beside, beside the point. The juicy part is that after Jensen posted this on Twitter, Jared Padalecki commented on it, saying that this is the first he's heard about it, and that like he and he was like hurt that Jensen didn't talk to him about it. Like okay, let's speak just strictly logistically to begin with. Jensen, Jared would have had nothing to do with it regardless. Like, it, Dean is going to be, like, the narrator of it, but otherwise Sam and Dean won't be in it because they're not bored yet. It's the prequel show, right? Mm-hmm. So, logistically, it doesn't matter if Jared's involved. Should Jensen have told him, like, as a friend? Yes, absolutely. I was going to say that's his husband. Like, of Right. <laughs> yeah, like... Am I absolutely shocked that he didn't talk to Jared about this? Yes. But is it super funny that Jared Padalecki is so sloppy and messy that he would air their dirty laundry on Twitter? (laughs) That That to me... That sounds like me. Like, I get upset (laughs) when I find out anything online from a friend before I've heard it from them. Even if it's just something small. I just feel like I'm left out of the loop. Mm -hmm. It's just so funny. It's so funny. It shouldn't be funny. Like, everyone else is, like, upset about it. Everyone else in the fandom is, like, picking sides and it's all this big drama. But well, I'm over here just laughing my ass off because it's so messy. It's just so messy. I can't Sorry. believe anybody's talking about anything but Britney Spears. All my mom friends like, let's go. <laughs> we have to save Britney Spears. I, I agree 100%. We absolutely need to save Britney Spears. What kills me, though, is, like... Overall, this is a discussion about, like, disability rights and people's mental health and people's reproductive rights. And it's like, when that's a 
subject of conversation on like a broader spectrum no one gives a shit but as soon as it's britney spears that everyone's all militant about it i hate to say it but sometimes that's what it takes something that you know people give a shit about to actually talk about other things but it's just the whole thing is just awful it is poor britney free britney free britney um Neither of those things are what we're here to talk about today, but (laughs) (laughs) at least we got that out of the way first. Um, Today, we will be talking about a cult classic starring a queer icon. Today's subject is Mermaids, starring none other than Cher, as well as the equally iconic Winona Ryder and Christina Ricci. Um, This isn't a super well-known movie, but it is certainly a favorite in our family. Was it like so many other movies of our childhood? Just one of those films that was happened we happened to see on HBO. Playing HBO, on- HBO yeah. did it. Yeah, I was just going to say, are you trying to tell me there are people that haven't seen this movie before? <laughs> yeah, like I talk about this movie all the time, and people are like, "What? Hmm. Holy shit!" Yeah, it's a great movie, but I think we also gravitated to it because it's about a single mom raising two girls and it we are two girls who are raised wild. by a single mom. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So just a little background on it first. Mermaids, which came out in 1990, is based on the novel of the same name written in 1986 by Patty Dan. It was originally going to be the first English language film for Swedish director Lasse Hallström who, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but who cares, um, who later went on to direct What's Eating Gilbert Grape and Cider House Rules. Uh, Yeah, Halstrom's vision for the film was much darker, including having the main character, Charlotte, commit suicide at the end. Yeah. Fortunately, Halstrom left the project (laughs) to do another (laughs) film. He was then replaced by Frank Oz, who also ended up leaving the film because he did not get along with Cher and Winona. I can um, see that. <laughs> I can yeah. definitely see that. You're like, this bitch is too much. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's give credit where credit is due. Frank Oz is Miss Piggy. He has a diva streak in him. Mm-hmm. I could see them butting heads as like equal divas. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, I'm sorry, ultimately- but that's that would be hard for me. If I had Cher barking at me and Frank Oz barking at me, who am I going to listen to? Right? (laughs) 100%. Um, The film was ultimately directed by Richard Benjamin, uh, who I'd like to point out directed two other films that Lacey and I watched a lot as children, Made in America and Milk Money. (gasps) <gasps> milk money can we do milk money I don't know nobody saw that but us <laughs> someday someday <laughs> I love that movie <laughs> oh my god I don't know why I don't know why but um, so originally Emily Lloyd was cast as Charlotte opposite Cher supposedly Lloyd turned down the lead role in Pretty Woman to be in Mermaids. But I don't know if that's true. That's what I read. What? Yeah. Ah, wow. Yeah. However, Cher complained that the blonde and British Emily Lloyd did not look like she could be Cher's daughter. And she was replaced by Winona Ryder. And Emily Lloyd 
went on to sue the production company for firing her. And I've read multiple accounts all saying she won different amounts, ranging anywhere between $175,000 to $500,000. So who knows which one is accurate, but they settled out of court and gave her money. So Poor pretty white girl. <laughs> She's like, I made a bad uh, work decision and didn't take pretty woman and now I'm going to blame it on you. <laughs> no kidding. Oh my God. I don't know why they would have done that in the first place though. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. This film is also notable for being the first film role for Christina Ricci in the role of Charlotte's younger sister, Kate. Um, did you, I guess it says at the beginning, but did you know this was based on a book? I didn't until I read that last night. Yeah. Like, I feel like, I mean, it says it in the opening credits. I don't believe, I can't believe I never noticed. Me but either. I That's where I saw it. Yeah, I didn't really realize until, like, adulthood. I'm kind of, kind of interested in reading it, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. There's also, she also wrote a sequel to it a few, a few years ago, but we'll talk about that at the end. Um, so let's just get into the movie. So the film opens on slow motion footage of one of Kate's swimming matches. And a voiceover by our narrator, Charlotte, informs us to get swimming when most children were uh, still in their playpens. Charlotte also remarks that everyone adores Kate, Charlotte included. And when Kate was born, Charlotte wanted to name her after St. Saint, uh, Saint the virgin beekeeper. But their mother, Mrs. Flax, said she thought that Charlotte was a little peculiar. <laughs> it's... Such a brief but effective voiceover because it sets up a lot of the characters. Like, mm -hmm. and beloved and a gifted swimmer. Charlotte is a bit strange and has a predile predilection for Catholicism. And Mrs. Flax and Charlotte do not see eye to eye. It's all that is set up within like one sentence. Mm -hmm. To further display the differences between the two characters, we then see Mrs. Flax get ready for a date while Charlotte watches singing nuns and prays. Um, Mrs. Flax walks past as Charlotte kneels at her little homemade altar in her bedroom and reminds Charlotte that they are, in fact, Jewish. <laughs> That's my favorite. <laughs> but during uh, this whole, like, opening monologue, what I noticed about it the most was how she refers to her mother as Mrs. Flax. Mm -hmm. Unless she is in trouble, she refers to her as Mrs. Flax the entire time. Yep. And I refer to her in my notes a lot by her first name, uh, which is Rachel. So I say Rachel a lot, but in the movie, I think she gets called Rachel like one, one time. time. <laughs> one time. Charlotte in voiceover explains that she has been fascinated with the Catholic faith since she was, she saw a girl with ashes on her forehead recite Hail Mary's before a spelling bee. It's funny because um, Heather and I were talking about this not too long ago about like, there's so much about the Catholic faith that is like inspired by and lifted from paganism that like, I can understand why people would get fascinated with it of all the denominations. It's like, there's so much ritual to it. It's just, it's, weird mm -hmm. um not to, bes to besmirch any of my catholic listeners but there's just so much there's so much cool you just do a bunch of cool shit it's very similar to the stuff that i do and i'm pagan and i just think it's funny i can understand i could see a why a little a little girl would be like whoa cool yeah 
Mrs. Flax, who, as we said, his first name is Rachel, um, serve Kate and Charlotte their dinner, and it's just a plate of finger foods. Charlotte explains that her uh, mother almost exclusively cooks hors d'oeuvres and nothing else. Anything more difficult, Charlotte explains, is too much of a commitment. Rachel's date arrives to pick her up, and she asks Charlotte uh, how she looks. Charlotte responds, like a woman about to go forth in sin. And Rachel says, oh, good, exactly what I was going for. <laughs> that is my favorite outfit, I think, in the whole movie, too. That polka dot number? I don't think that's what she's wearing. Oh, no, she's no, you're right. She's wearing that, um, like, like a black, black and white dress, yeah. With a nude illusion, yeah. Oh, yeah, that dress is gorgeous. The costumes in this are so good. Mm-hmm. This is set in 1963, by the way, which I don't think I mentioned. Which uh, I had forgotten. I was like, when was this? And then halfway through the movie, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like, happy new year, 1964. Like, oh, shit. Well, I was just thinking about the president getting shot. Oh, yeah, that's true. But one thing you skipped over in the beginning was, unless you hadn't got there yet, about them moving. Oh, we haven't got there yet. Okay. So, Rachel is dating her boss, Fred. Can you summarize what happens on their date? I think it's just he pretty much tells her that he's not going to take her on a trip, isn't it? Like they're supposed to go on a road trip or a business trip. Right. Yeah. But the reason <laughs> she's like, so you're telling me that not only am I not going on this trip, but you're taking another woman. Oh, right. Like, it's not another woman. It's my wife. <laughs> so Rachel is dating her married boss. Right, They're in the backseat of the car getting all sweaty and she's pissed. Yeah. So Charlotte explains that this means they will be moving soon. They have moved 18 times and it gets easy to read the signs. After the date, Rachel sits in the bathtub, splashing the water and singing the battle hymn of the Republic. She pulls out an atlas and blindly points on the map to select their next destination, Eastport, Massachusetts. So Mrs. Flax and her daughters move into their new house in Eastport they're unpacking, and Kate says she liked living in Oklahoma. And Rachel says, you'll like living here, too, once you get used to it. And Charlotte makes a comment that by the time Kate gets used to it, they'll wind up moving again. This is where we learn Rachel's ethos. Death is dwelling on the past or staying in one place too long. Rachel also remarks that she needs to get Charlotte new shoes, but Charlotte wants to keep the shoes she has because they were a gift from her father. Uh, her father is clearly not in her life much, as she only has one clear memory of him when she was much younger. And Rachel comments on the fact that the only thing Charlotte's father is dependable for is being undependable. Oh, that just broke my heart this time. Like, I know I've seen it a hundred times, but growing up and watching these girls just cling to the one thing that they have with their dad. Because mm -hmm. it's the same way with Katie. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, oh my god, it's so heartbreaking. It is. It's sad. But I was like, it, 18 times. You moved 18 times and you're 15. You don't stay anywhere for more than nine months. Yeah, that's crazy. Can you imagine? I mean, I am no. laying in the same room that I've been laying in most of my damn life. Like, I don't... <laughs> I can't imagine that kind of instability. Mm -mm. Me either. Um, the next day, Rachel and the girls get some groceries and Rachel is already getting the attention of men passing by. 
We learn that Charlotte is only 15 and Rachel is teaching her to drive early. But Charlotte drives, quote, like old uh, people make love, which is to say very slowly. <laughs> people are like, she's driving down the road real slow and people are like l- lined up behind her honking and yelling. And Kate is like, blow it out your ear. <laughs> <laughs> when they get home, they are met by Joe Peretti, the handyman who works at the convent up the hill. Joe is played by Michael Schofling, most known for playing Jake in 16 Candles. Jake Ryan. What is with <laughs> this guy chasing the young tail? He's like, I don't oh, want to. I don't, don't want to get me started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, more than any other time I've watched this movie, really stuck in my crawl this time. Me too. Oh, now we'll get there. So, Charlotte is instantly enamored with him because, hello, it's Michael Schiffling. He's beautiful. Um, and believes he is a sign from God. He offers to help with anything they may need. So Rachel has him fix their porch swing. And after he leaves, Rachel tells Charlotte that he is 26 and cute as a button. And it's a shame Charlotte is to set on becoming a nun. And that she's old enough now to have a boyfriend. Which oh Rachel, my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> Who meets a 26-year-old man and is like, you know, my 15-year-old daughter, you should totally go after that. <laughs> So fucked up. I mean, it is the 60s, but I don't care. I don't care. Oh, it's so creepy. No. Oh. Um, Charlotte says, if I'm old enough, maybe you're too old. And without missing a beat, Rachel says, don't be silly. A real woman is never too old. Which I agree. Mm-hmm. Too young? Absolutely. <laughs> never too old. Absolutely too young. Yeah, I even have in my notes here, just like you said, Lacey, I feel like even for the 60s, that is fucking gross. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Charlotte goes up to take a peek at the convent and watches the nuns playing horseshoes outside. And she spies on Joe as he works in the convent's garden. And she prays for God, please don't let me fall in love and want to do disgusting things. So relatable. Right. <laughs> I know you didn't go through that quite like you, I did in high school, but I really jumped in headfirst into the church thing. And my vagina and my heart were always like, oh, my God, we're not in the right place. What would Jesus do? <laughs> You're right. I didn't have that problem. <laughs> no, it was exa- it was exhausting. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, Rachel has gotten a job as a law secretary, and on her lunch break, her and the girls go shopping, go shoe shopping. When they enter the store, the shopkeeper is waiting on a couple of nuns, and Charlotte instantly gets flustered at their presence and prays that her mother won't say anything to embarrass her. The shop she's acting like it's a dude, like it's a cute fifteen-year-old dude sitting there. Oh yes. Sweating balls. It is hilarious. <laughs> the shopkeep comments on the fact that the Reverend Mother's feet have remained the same size and that most women's feet get bigger with age. And Rachel comments, that only happens when you get pregnant. And Charlotte scolds her. How could you say that? She's a holy vessel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the shopkeeper, Lou, played by Bob Hoskins, asks Rachel where they're from, saying he's from South Dakota. He says, Can you imagine trying to keep kosher in South Dakota? To which Rachel Rachel replies, I can't imagine trying to keep kosher anywhere. (laughs) (laughs) The nuns leave after 
Charlotte like embarrasses herself even more. Um, they like go to leave and she stands up to say something to him and she just like spaces out and doesn't say anything at all. It's just so cringy. Um, Lou puts on some music and you can tell he and Rachel are eyeballing each other. Kate has already picked out a pair of shoes she likes, but Charlotte yet again declines to replace her ugly old boots. And those boots are so terrible. Oh my God. Would you not have made her buy something? I, I would. Mean, yes, absolutely. I don't care if you're not wearing them, you're buying them. Yeah, totally. Um, the women leave and Lou remarks that he hopes to see Rachel again at the parent teacher conferences. What do you think of Lou? What do you think? I on love Lou. I don't think, I, I don't think he knows what he's walking into, obviously, but he's <laughs> almost actually, I was like, he's actually really cute in this movie. He's like, totally cute. It's so, we- it's so weird, but there's something, something about Bob Hoskins and I'm just like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. You can. Yeah. Um, the next morning, Rachel takes Kate to her new school to get her registered while Charlotte takes the school bus to her new high school. And who happens to drive her bus but Joe? And Charlotte hides in the bathroom stall and eavesdrops on a group of girls smoking and talking about blowjobs. On the bus ride home at the end of the day, it gets to a point where Charlotte is the only person left on the bus with Joe. And Joe asks if she likes the house. And she thinks to herself, I hate that house. Until Joe says he was born there. Then she thinks, I love that house. (laughs) (laughs) They get to the house and Charlotte asks what people do on the weekends. And Joe's like, well, on my day off, I like to fish. And she she just kind of keeps needling him until he invites her along. And lies through her teeth. He's like, well, maybe I can bring you and your sister. And she's like, oh, well, my sister, Kate hates the water. But (laughs) a lady named Carrie is at their house to sell cosmetics. Um, Rachel asks Carrie about Joe and Charlotte listens in while Carrie explains that in high school, Joe used to be the golden boy and a football star, but he lost his athleticism after his girlfriend suddenly skipped town. And Carrie suspects that there's quote, a little Joey Jr. running around somewhere. Now, it's like me, the weakest bullshit, the whole storyline right in there. I'm not sure why any of that was necessary. No, especially since we don't, we find out in like, the third act that is not true um but to me this story is a huge turnoff for like a million reasons but charlotte is like oh he's damaged i love him even more <laughs> <laughs> if i if i was like crushed on somebody but i heard like oh yeah he not only was like so heartbroken over his last girlfriend that his world crumbled but that he might have knocked her up i'd been like ooh, okay well <laughs> <laughs> you're not wired like other girls Oh, God. <laughs> Why would you have been like Charlotte? Like, eh. Let me fix your heart. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, oh God. <laughs> Carrie turns her attention to Charlotte and compliments her on her eyes and eyebrows. What'd she say? Um, honey, only you and Elizabeth Taylor can get away with those eyebrows. <laughs> Uh, and she offers to do her makeup, but Rachel is like, this one's planning on being a nun. <laughs> and Charlie gets mad and storms off. Which she I know that figure out if she was trying to humiliate her. That's or... just it. It's like, I think that Rachel was trying, was intentionally being a bitch, but at the same time, like you can't get mad because she's right. Right. 
like if you could have said like well i still want to play in makeup if that's okay you know what i mean <laughs> she's yeah. just like and just huffs off and gives rachel exactly what she wanted is you know to get a reaction out of her so yeah um now it's the night of the parent teacher conference and the flax women are on their way there when charlotte points out that rachel has never gone to parents night before so why is she starting now rachel has a great line she goes "Ooh, we're going to play my favorite game who's the worst mother in the world Ooh, now don't tell me let me guess uh, who could it be could it be me <laughs> <laughs> She says, let's make a deal. You stop acting like a little bitch for, oh, an hour or two, and I won't knock your religion of choice for a week. <laughs> Charlotte says, deal. <laughs> it's one of these movies, like, you can quickly go from understanding why Charlotte feels the way she does to understanding why Rachel feels the way she does. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's, you know, they're both wrong and they're both right. Yeah, Totally. Especially the older you get, too. You you understand what Rachel's dealing with. Oh, totally. Especially for me. Because I'm like, you know, the first five years of our marriage, when anything went down that I wasn't happy with, boom, I'm living with Angie. Boom, I'm gone. And I'm just like, I can't imagine being feeling, because I don't feel that way now, but I remember feeling that intense need to run from things when I was younger. And mm-hmm. can you imagine having two kids? And having Oof. to, you know, still do that or still being like that, not being able to shut that off and dragging them through whatever dirt you had. Oh, oh, yeah. Mm. Because that's another thing too. Rachel is really young. Rachel's younger than we are now. Holy shit! You just ruined my day. <laughs> hey, baby, I need some Irish whiskey for my coffee. Please. Thank you. So much. <laughs> Oh, I really true. hate that because I'm at the age where that's true of every freaking TV mom I watch. <laughs> uh, we're old. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we ain't got no rotten kids to deal with, so. See, that's just it. Like, I am a hot, right. I am a hot mess, but I ain't passing that shit on to nobody. Amen, sister. So... Like I said, they're at the parent-teacher conference. They're parent, the parents' night or whatever. And of course, Lou is there as promised. And it's clear, clearly the only reason Rachel came. And he explains that his kids are grown and long gone. Which I can't decide if that fact is... The fact that he still comes to parents' night is cute or sad. Very sad. <laughs> maybe a little of both <laughs> well but i mean i'm from a small town so i understand that like once you're linked in with everybody else's kids and all the families it's you know they might as well be yours yeah it's true especially with like a job like he has where he deals with people all the time oh yeah, yeah. Is um then rachel asks if mrs lansky is there and he says she's long gone too rachel says oh so you're a widower and he goes no she's just gone <laughs> <laughs> They talk some more and flirt and make plans to spend that Sunday together. And a classmate of of Charlotte's, Mary, the girl who was talking about blowjobs, tells Charlotte she wants to be just like Mrs. Flax when she grows up. And Charlotte reassures her, Mary, you already are. You already are. (laughs) (laughs) Is that girl in Peggy Sue got married as well? 
It might it's been so long since I watched the look. It might just be the look. Yeah. It'd be funny if she was. She kind of has a niche. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Betsy Townsend is her name. Let's see what else she is. Nope, she was only in four things, and that was the last one. Was oh. <laughs> um, oh, okay. So now it's Sunday morning, and Charlotte is asking is asking. Charlotte is making sandwiches for her fishing trip with Joe. Quote, big ones that a man can sink his teeth into and hold with both hands. (laughs) (laughs) This is the most, I don't know, this whole scene is like the most 15 year old, like, I don't know, the writing is just perfect. Everything that comes (laughs) out of her mouth, I'm like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Joe's late to pick her up and Rachel antagonizes Charlotte about it. But Charlotte decides not to engage, even though she brandishes a butter knife at her back, like she's going to stay <laughs> when her back is turned. Um, when Charlotte's back is turned, Rachel takes a star-shaped cookie cutter <laughs> of sandwiches and ruins the whole big and manly thing Charlotte was going for. Charlotte yells at her, but it's too late. Joe's arrived, so Charlotte just grabs the ruined uh, sandwiches and leaves. As she walks out, Rachel says, don't do anything I wouldn't do or anything that I would. <laughs> <laughs> and then we hear Kate <laughs> making growling noises and she comes running down the hall with a jack-o'-lantern on her head. <laughs> the best scene. I'm pretty sure that was in like the commercial, like the promo yeah. for the movie. It, it just better have been if not. <laughs> She stumbles into the kitchen, still growling, and collapses face first on the floor while Rachel just watches her bemused. It's and so that's funny. the one time you hear her name. No, that okay, then she says it two times. They say it two times. Okay. Because Kate says it, growls Rachel then, and Lou calls her Rachel once. Oh, Lou calls her Rachel, yeah. Yeah. Um, so Lou comes over, and he gets to experience Rachel's interesting cooking style. That is to say, to turn everything into finger foods. Kate leaves for swim practice, presumably, and Rachel and Lou are all alone. And he asks more about Charlotte and Kate's fathers. And we find out that Kate's dad was a swimmer like she is, um, but was just a one night stand. And Lou says, you're a hell of a woman, Rachel. And comments that it's uh, been, oh, maybe they say it three times. I think he says it again when they're fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he says that's been the most memorable breakfast he's ever had. And he asks if Rachel wants to go out somewhere. And she says, no, not particularly. <laughs> and Luke gets all adorably flustered by the implication, but agrees that he wants to stay in as well. He's so cute the way he just stares at her with his hands on his face. Like, he is so expressive and he mm-hmm. just cannot hide any. Like, when he looks at her food and everything, just his eyes crack me up. <laughs> He's so great. He just dives in. They're like, okay. <laughs> uh, Charlotte is still out with Joe, of course. And she keeps saying embarrassing stuff. Like she can't control what's coming out of her mouth. <laughs> her internal monologue is constantly torn between wanting to be virtuous and wanting Joe just to ravish her. And she strips. She strips. <laughs> I type strips, but I meant trips. She trips. <laughs> She trips and almost falls, um, but he catches her. 
Then he picks her up and puts her into the boat, and she's just beside herself. Then he's like, do you want to bait your uh, hook, or do you want me to? And she's like, Mary, mother of God, he still wants to fish. (laughs) (laughs) Can't think of a least sexier date than fishing. Yeah, no doubt. When's the last time you went fishing? Uh, I don't know, but I wasn't wearing a bra yet. <laughs> That's a good measure of time. I'm serious. Like, I, I don't. I'm like, no, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. I think we went, all of us, is maybe even just like Dad and Debbie mm-hmm. went one time. And I just basically end up wading in the shallow end with a net because I have better luck that way. I'm just, I don't know. <laughs> I honestly think that was the last time. Maybe I was like I don't know, 13 or 14. Yeah. It's one of those weird things too for like me. I thought fishing was cruel, but at the same time as like an excuse to be closer to nature in a way. So like I didn't want to hurt the fishies, but I wanted to see the fishies. So you're like torn on what you want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to go and relax, I guess, while other people fish, but I have no, I am 40 years old. Have I ever baited my own hook? Nope. Okay, first of all, she's not 40. <laughs> I'm 38. I might as well be. We've got to stop avoiding it. My husband gets mad, too. You're not 40. I'm like, well, it's out there. Can't we just embrace it now? And by the time it's real, <laughs> that's, it's I did this. out there. It's just, it's, just, it's just sitting there like a big dead end. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like, the, for the years leading up to my 30s, I would just call myself 30, and it would piss my friends off so bad. I'm just like, we're 30, and they're like, no, we're fucking not. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we are. <laughs> it's just easier. Yeah. Yeah, mom talks a lot about how she wants to go fishing all the time. She misses fishing. And we have, like, a little pond on our property, but it's so buried in the woods. I'm like, just looking at it gives makes me feel like there's a tick on me. I just, oh, God. Yeah. Um, it cuts back to Rachel's room after she and Lou have had sex and there's some witty banter back and forth between them. You can tell they have really great chemistry. And Joe brings Charlotte home that evening and Rachel asks her how her date went. She says they had a good time and Rachel says she and Lou had a good time too. Meanwhile, Kate is in the bathtub timing how long she can hold her breath. I hate when she does that. (laughs) (laughs) If she's not up in 10 seconds, call an ambulance. (laughs) Rachel tells Charlotte to be careful with Joe quote I know you're planning on living a celibate life but with half my chromosomes that might be hard <laughs> oh again my favorite line what they're in the boat and he gives her his thermos and she's like oh, now my lips are touching his <laughs> oh gross I know <laughs> <laughs> Charlotte is really hung up on Joe and wishes that she could stop thinking about him. And so she says she stops riding the bus to avoid him, but that doesn't help. And on Halloween night, Charlotte sits and thinks of all the reasons she loves him, including he has great skin. She says he has the best skin in captivity. (laughs) In captivity. Yeah. (laughs) He wears moccasins in the winter. Uh, Kate is trick-or-treating dressed up like a goldfish and Rachel is passing out many tubes of toothpaste instead of candy. (laughs) Kate has a swim meet that Joe attends, not Joe, that Lou attends with Rachel and Charlotte. 
man, my coffee is not kicked in. Um, <laughs> Kate wins, and her coach, Miss Parker, tells Rachel she thinks Kate has a Olympic potential. She says, I'm sure that doesn't surprise you. Rachel says, not at all. Does she get it from you? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> then we see Miss Parker get into a car with someone Kate calls Miss Crane, and I wonder if they're supposed to be lesbians. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder you if would find the me. lesbians. You would. Oh. In every movie. <laughs> there they are. There they are. There they are. Right there. <laughs> How do you choose a swim coach? Come on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I have a theory about this whole, because they do bring up the fact that dad's an Olympic swimmer or whatever, but she only met the man one time. Mm-hmm. My theory is that she just picked something grandiose. Uh, my theory is that that's not true at all. But that's why Kate swims like she does, because she thinks that's what she is. Interesting. See, I... Here's my theory. I don't think that... I think what she said is true. I don't think Kate fully realizes that her and Charlotte don't have the same dad. Really? Because I think so. Yeah. Really? Yeah, because she talks about him as if he should be someone that's important to her too and they all have the same last name even though you know i think she's too little for her for her to ever have explained to her oh hey your dad was the one i'd say your dad is not my dad yeah right that's my theory i don't know um but that's interesting that's an interesting thought it's kind of like dumbo's feather like yeah. She's awesome or something because, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I just thought, you know, she didn't know the guy. She didn't have anything good to say about the father of her kid. So I just mm-hmm. felt like she picked something that would be impressive. Mm-hmm. And then that's, you know, inevitably what the kid turned into because she just thought that's where she came from. Right. It's interesting. interesting theory. I should definitely, I definitely need to get the book and see what yep. it is. Yep. Excuse me. Um, the Flax women go to Lou's to spend the night. Lou likes to paint, but as Rachel points out, his paintings are terrible. <laughs> but she agrees to sit for him. He dresses Rachel up and paints her as Cleopatra. Charlotte wakes up in the middle of the night during a storm and finds Rachel asleep on the couch where she had been posing for Lou. And she covers Rachel up with a blanket and thinks, Sometimes I feel like I'm the grown up and you're the child. I can't imagine ever being inside of you. I can't imagine being anywhere you'd let me stay for nine months straight. (laughs) See? (laughs) Charlotte is in class when they find out that JFK has been shot and everyone is beside themselves with grief. And Charlotte goes to the church and finds Joe in the bell tower weeping. And Joe's little speech during that scene is very weird. Uh, I wrote that down and I was hoping to Christ. That you would be like explaining to me what the hell he's rambling about. No idea. I just wrote down Indian ways and statues and what the fuck. (laughs) I had this little friend and he had his Indian ways and what I'm like, what is he talking about? And why do you want to kiss him after this? (laughs) Like, what about the president's head blown off makes you guys so freaking hot? I do not understand. Um, yeah, they end up kissing, like Lacey implies. Um, Spoiler alert! (laughs) Spoiler alert, yeah. Uh, 
she hugs him to comfort him and then they just start kissing um but with all the religious statues surrounding them charlotte gets overcome with guilt and she runs off i mean wouldn't you they were scary as shit yeah i mean that alone should be a turn off like oh jesus yeah um she decides to starve herself to try to purge the thoughts of joe out of herself and she imagines that she imagines what punishment God will inflict on her for her sins. When she overhears Rachel joke that she is super fertile and, quote, conceives if a man hangs his suit next to me, Charlotte, <laughs> Charlotte gets in, into her head that she is pregnant from immaculate conception as punishment. She tries to talk to Rachel about it, but can't spit it out. And Rachel gets frustrated with her. Like, what is going on inside of the head of yours? And she just kind of snaps at her. And Charlotte gets frustrated right back at her, so she steals Rachel's car and takes off, winding up in Connecticut. And her car runs out of gas or breaks down, one of the two. And she goes to a young family's house asking for help. Back at home, Rachel and Lou argue over Charlotte and, Ra and Rachel's abrasiveness, and Rachel threatens to move again. Which is basically any time there's ever a fight, she's like, we're moving! We're moving! <laughs> yeah. Lou points out that no wonder Charlotte wants to run from her problems. She learned it from Rachel. I learned it from watching you. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel yells, are we having a fight? And he's like, yeah, why? It relieves the tension. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're done. <laughs> uh, Charlotte joins the little family that she found for breakfast and she's just rambling all these lies one after the other. Oh, it's so oh, uncomfortable. Oh. I know. This scene actually gives me, like, epic secondhand embarrassment. I'm pretty sure I fast-forwarded through it. <laughs> it's just like, oh, God, Charlotte. Uh, soon, however, having reported the car stolen, Lou finds Charlotte and comes to take her home. Um, he gets there in, like, record time, too. Well, doesn't the dad call? Yeah, he, like... He's like, what well, is up? He, like, right, I think he wrote down, like, the license plate. He must have called somebody, and the, they were like, um, it's stolen. Yeah, yeah. Um, once they're back home, Rachel screams at Charlotte and sends her to her room, then comes to her saying, okay, I've had a little scotch. I'm real calm. <laughs> <laughs> and tries to get her to talk, but she still won't tell Rachel what's bothering her. Lou asks if Charlotte has ever done anything like this before, and Rachel tells him that once she was sent home from school for licking a chalkboard because she had read that a saint had once had a vision after licking a wall. Said her tongue was yellow for a week. A teacher sent home a note saying that uh, Charlotte might have psychological problems. Lou asked what they did. Rachel said, we moved. <laughs> This would have been the best show. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like a weekly show. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. I feel like there would have been no Gilmore Girls without Mermaid. Oh, my God. Mermaid. Sam said that. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what he said. Yep. Um, Charlotte sits by the water near the convent. And there's like a little dam waterfall. It's really pretty. Um, but Charlotte sits there and Joe comes to sit with her. And she asks about Joe's long-lost girlfriend, and he explains that there's not much to tell. Um, her family moved away, and he never got to see her again. 
and that people gossiped as if something happened between them, but nothing did. Then Charlie asks if he likes babies. <laughs> and he's like, sure, I love babies. I hope to have a bunch someday. Then smash cut to Charlotte in an, <laughs> an obstetrician's office full of expectant mothers and screaming babies. Uh, she gives them a fake name, Joan Ark. Real subtle. And, of course, the doctor tells her she's not pregnant and points out that she's still a virgin. Which, they, I mean, they comment on this later at the very end that, like, apparently Rachel has never given her the the birds and beads talk, which I find very strange. Uh, I guess I don't. Really? Really? Because you think someone like Rachel would, like, think that'd be important for their daughter to know. Uh, I think she's kind of got herself in denial about this daughter in particular. I don't think she thinks she has to worry about that. Maybe she's hoping she doesn't. That's a good point. Um, One day, Rachel asks Lou to watch the girls and make them dinner because she has to run an errand for her boss out of town. And when she gets back to Lou's place that evening, she discovers that he and the girls have painted the girls' guest room to look like the bottom of the ocean. And they've cooked a real meal together and actually sit down to eat like a family. And Kate very innocently asks Rachel to marry Lou so he can be their new dad, which I totally forgot about that part. Me too. Uh, Rachel is pissed off at Lou because she feels like he's trying to use her kids to get close to her. What a big bitch. Right? (laughs) And Lou gets super pissed at her for the implication. Um, Yeah, this fight kills me. But at the same time, I can kind of... They haven't been dating that long. And I can understand, like, if my little girl just like, I want to be my new daddy, I'd be like, whoa, goddammit. I think she's more mad at herself for not... for letting that happen. Yeah. You know what I mean? For letting the kids get ma- get close to him. She just mm-hmm. knows how much more difficult it's going to be on her and on right. them, whatever, when they have to move again, but I'm just, I was so mad at her. I'm like, but look at what he's done for your children. So, that room is so cute. I want a room like that. I want to say the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> I mean, they had paper mache rocks on the walls for F's sake. I mean, yeah. he really did it. Yeah. So cute. I love Lou. There's that great point at the end of the fight, too, when um, Lou says, if you cared about us, you know, could you act like it? And she's like, when did you and my kids become us? Me and the girls are us. And he said, I meant you and me. Oh, gutted. Mm -hmm. Just gutted. (laughs) And I think there's something to that, too. I think it might amount not only, you know, because she knows she doesn't hang around, but it might amount to the fact that the kids at this point like him a lot more than they like her. It's true. Yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of jealousy going on in that. that <coughs> I mean, the man doesn't put his meat on a stick. <laughs> it took me a minute to... I was like, uh, oh. <laughs> so, presumably, Lou and Rachel make up, or at the very least are still seeing each other, because they go to a New Year's Eve costume party together. Lou dressed as a pirate, and Rachel dressed as a mermaid. Um, and not even technically together, they drive separate, so I don't know. 
Uh, at the party, Lou first asks Rachel to marry him and then asks her to move in with him, both of which she says no to. Lou leaves the party, declining Rachel's invite for him to come home with her. I, oh, I'm so conflicted over this whole conversation because they have not been together very long. Like, it is super fast to propose. Um, so I don't blame Rachel for saying no. However, I'm also a big proponent of if, like, two people aren't in the same place emotionally in a relationship, that it should end. Yeah. So... If Lou had been, if Lou right then had just been like, well, I don't want to be with you anymore, that would have been fair too. Mm -hmm. kind he of takes it really well. Like, I'm not sure how he's feeling when he leaves that room. Yeah. Because she invites him over and he's just like, you know, maybe another time. He doesn't act like a dick about it. But right. I'd love to know. Yeah. I don't know. We yeah, it is. <laughs> it is really fast, though. Like, damn. Like, pump the brakes, Lou. I wonder how long it's been, though. Well, we know how long really it's know. been. They yeah, they moved there right before school started, and now it's New Year's. Oh, okay. My bad. Yeah. Yeah, but then, I mean, you can't... I mean, it probably was rushing it, especially to get engaged. But in 1963, you're not just going to move in with some random guy without having the intent to marry him. Yeah. For, just for, you know, society's sake. Yeah. That's true. I think he just wanted to know where he stood. Yeah. Poor Lou. And but Rachel does make a good point too. He's still married. Him and his wife didn't divorce. She just took off. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. She's like, uh, you're still married, so. And isn't it the because they they eat food all the way through the movie that's in his freezer. Yeah, which means God willing, she hasn't been gone that long. That's what I was thinking. How long are you eating this food? But to me, that would be a constant reminder. Right. Of the ex-wife. Every time mm -hmm. he brings something out of the freezer. Yep. So, when Rachel goes to leave the party, her car won't start. So, Joe gives her a ride home. When he helps her out of his truck, she gives him a kiss. And Charlotte sees it and is pissed. She runs out and yells at both of them, but Rachel just brushes her off and Joe just drives off without saying a word. I, oh. even though I don't think that Charlotte and Joe should be together, obviously, because their age difference, if I was Charlotte, I would be apoplectic. Like, I would <laughs> lose my mind if I saw my mom kissing someone I liked. Oh, yeah. It, it all goes down the way it probably would have for me, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't think you're special or anything. <laughs> um, it's now a different night and Charlotte and Kate are home alone. Charlotte dresses up in one of Rachel's dresses and does her hair and makeup. And she admits to Kate that she's in love with Joe. And Charlotte gets out some wine and lets Kate have a little bit. But when her back is turned, Kate gulps down like at least two glasses super fast just straight to the face. Just whoosh. And they sit outside on the port swing. And Kate now has the hiccups from drinking so much. So cute. Yeah. 
Kate asks Charlotte to tell her the story of the night she was born. And you can tell it's a story that they tell Kate often. Charlotte can hear the bell ringing at the convent, so she knows that Joe is there. So she and Kate walk to the convent under the guise of showing it to Kate for the first time. But in reality, it's just so Charlotte can go see Joe. And Kate is still is visibly drunk and stumbling. Um, Kate says she's going to go collect rocks while Charlotte goes up into the bell tower. As soon as Charlotte reaches Joe, they don't even say anything to each other. They just maul one another and start to have sex. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. <laughs> I just in my notes I just have in parentheses 15 years old. Oh god. Meanwhile, Kate drunkenly falls into the water. And from a combination of the cold, the current of the waterfall and being drunk, she can't get her bearings and she begins to drown. The nuns hear her screams for help and they fish her out of the water. Charlotte and Joe rush downstairs and Joe calls for an ambulance. Charlotte and Joe wait in the waiting room of the hospital and Rachel and Carrie arrive. Rachel doesn't even speak to Charlotte. You can just tell by looking at them what they were doing when Kate fell. (laughs) Charlotte. (laughs) Carrie tells Joe to take Charlotte home. So Charlotte cleans herself up and changes her clothes and cleans up the house, which is very much like what you do in a during a tragedy when you don't know what else to do. Uh-huh. Yeah. Especially when um, you're worried about getting in mad trouble. Yeah, no kidding. Joe waits with her. And at the hospital, Kate is still unconscious and is in an oxygen tent. While Rachel weeping tells her the story of the night she was born with Lou there consoling her. Um which I love that the story of when Kate was born, just because it reminds me of you. Me too. Because <laughs> they say that um, when she brought him home, Charlotte pretended that Kate was hers. And like, Lacey was so cute. Before I was born, she like took big sister classes at a hospital so she could help with me as a baby. <laughs> I did. And I had a hole in my closet and when we lived in the trailer park. Um, I had a hole in my closet that looked into your room and I was constantly like, she has been sleeping for like 10 hours. Is she still breathing? <laughs> I was constantly like walking in there because I got in trouble. I had to stay out. So I figured out I could see you through my hole in my room. And <laughs> I'd go in there and sneak in and just like hold my finger under your nose. Like, Jesus, what? Come on. <laughs> Mom, who never got any sleep when I was a baby, she's like, I swear to Christ, you stay out of that room. <laughs> Don't you wake her up! <laughs> don't you wake up that baby! I don't remember shit until you started walking because you just slept the whole time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, some things never change. <laughs> Still, all I do is sleep. <laughs> oh God, that's funny. I was a, dad always tells the story of when I was a baby, he would like go in and pinch me to wake me up to make sure I was still alive, and it pissed off. <laughs> It wasn't right, man. <laughs> Some of us are chill, low-key babies. What can we say? I know, but you were so cute and we just couldn't, like, toss you around and show you off because you were always sleeping. <laughs> that was my defense mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to talk to people. 
<laughs> Get him away from me. I'm sleeping. God, I remember... Do you remember those, like, old home videos we had? That, um... That, that like, Jim and Debbie made to send to Aunt Mary? God, literally, like, the only home videos that exist. The only home videos we have. Did, yeah. Yeah, there's a one point where, like, I just disappear, and they, like, take a video, peek into my room, I'm just out. The house is filled with people and guests, and I'm <laughs> like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, mood. <laughs> so, Lou calls Charlotte to let her know that Kate will be okay, and that Rachel is on her way home to pick up some clothes. Joe leaves, but before he does, Charlotte says, you look different. And he says, you look beautiful. Which is sweet, even though he's, you know, a pedophile. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, Rachel gets home, and she and Charlotte have a huge blowout. Charlotte says she knows she made a big mistake, but that Rachel is always making mistakes and making them pay for it. And Rachel tells Charlotte to start packing because they're going to move again. But Charlotte demands that they stay so they can so that she can finish high school. Rachel says, What's your major? Town tramp? Charlotte says, No, Mom, the town already has one. <laughs> and Rachel slaps her. And the slap kind of diffuses the argument. Rachel and Charlotte sit down and talk calmly about Charlotte's father, about Joe, and about how there's going to be talk in such a small town. And Charlotte points out that there's always talk. It's just usually about Rachel. (laughs) (laughs) But she asks Rachel to please let them stay just to give it a year. The movie flashes to three months later. The Flax women have not moved yet. And Lou takes them with him to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Charlotte becomes quite popular at school for a while after news of her little sexcapade gets around. Joe moved to California and still writes to her. Charlotte has given up on her obsession with Catholicism and is now into Greek mythology. Kate's hearing was affected by the accident, but she's otherwise now okay. And the movie ends with the three of them making food and dancing around to a great song. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's a song by Jimmy Soul called If You Want to Be Happy. Please look it up right now. It is hilarious. (laughs) Um, I think the whole, because throughout the movie, you learn how much of a baseball fan that Lou is. And he, you know, asks her to go to visit and do all this stuff. And she's like, meh, I don't want to do that. So I think it's a really, it's a really big statement that they're there. Yeah. All together at the end of the movie. Yeah. It's really sweet. And I think Charlotte says during the voiceover, she's like, Mrs. Flax was really bored, but she had hit it well. <laughs> <laughs> Lou gets a touch. Um, Lou Gehrig's glove. Lou Gehrig's glove. And she's like, okay, great, you touch it. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so let me read you what the sequel book is about. Okay. It says, Charlotte Flax is all grown up now with a grown son of her own, but her heart still belongs to the man she fell in love with at age 14 when Charlotte her sister and her mother lived in a house next to a convent in Grove, Massachusetts. They moved on after a year. Mrs. Flax never stayed anywhere long. That's sad. That means they didn't stay. 
but it is Charlotte's favorite house. So when she hears it's for rent, she moves back and decides to bring the family together for Mrs. Flack's birthday. There are complications and surprises, of course. This is the Flax family, after all. For all three women, the gathering is a reunion they'll never forget. Hmm. Interesting. Ugh, she's still in love with Joe. Yeah, let it go, girl. Goddamn. He's old now, girl. Ugh. She's digmatized. She lost her virginity <laughs> to it, so she... <laughs> that really is a real thing for some people, huh? Yeah. Not for me. Let not me just for say me. out loud. Not for me. Sorry. Not, not for me. Thank God. However, I will say, <laughs> this is TMI, but like, God, like 10 years? Was it 10 years? Holy shit, let me do math. Yeah, oh my God. About 10 years after I lost my virginity, I slept with the person I lost my virginity to again, like just for funsies. And it was great. <laughs> Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun time. It was great. <laughs> it just kind of happened. It was just like a random thing that happened, but it was I it like made the memory better. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 And I can't say I have bad memories about my first time. I was with somebody I was comfortable with. The only person who had really done anything to me at that time, at least more than one time. So I was like super comfortable. Everything was great, but would I do it again? No. No. <laughs> no, I would. I would. I don't have any regrets on good. that. That's good. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but my thing is, the week after that happened, he told me he got someone pregnant. Oh my god. Yeah. I, that this, is something. This movie is so relatable to me because I remember this movie gave me a healthy fear of having sex, and I'm like, well, if I have sex, I'm either going to get pregnant or my sister's going to die. So. <laughs> I'm I'm not kidding. Like I was terrified to do anything. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> you know something that I was I was talking about that with mom the other day because we were talking about somebody. But like after you have sex for the first time, your cycle gets all fucked up. Which oh God. We, is that when it started? We, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like. It happened to almost everyone I know where after the very first time they had sex, all of them were just like, oh, fuck, I'm pregnant because their cycle was all fucked up. Mm. And it's just like some weird hormonal thing that our body does. But like you, need to, you can absolutely get pregnant having sex for the first time. That's a thing, obviously. But at the same time, like, calm down. <laughs> right. Right. You, you're probably fine. <laughs> I don't know. Have you seen Gilmore Girls? Did you see what Lane looked like? Oh, poor Lane. Don't even get me started. Lane got they did Lane so dirty. I know. I was watching it yesterday and Raina was like kind of just standing there watching. She's like, holy crap, dude. Because Lane was like big pregnant with twins. <laughs> She's like, what happened to her? And I'm like, boys, Raina. Boys, what happened to her? <laughs> Lacey's like the gym teacher in Mean Girls. She's like, if you have sex, you'll get pregnant and you die. <laughs> we watched that yesterday too. And I was standing there like, yep, yep, yep. Don't do it. <laughs> Casey's like, you're so full of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> Boy, was a devil. <laughs> oh, God. Um, God, I was so bummed because the girl that plays Lane was in that show. Um, 
uh, prodigal son. And I loved her character. Her character is my favorite. And she had like a big crush on the main character. And she was like the comedic relief. And you knew they were never actually going to get together. But now the show got canceled. And now they'll never be together. Aww. Aww. Yeah. Bomb that show got canceled. Never saw it. Never saw it. It Really good. It's kind of like. Kind of like Silence of the Lambs. If instead of. Clary Starling. It was Hannibal's son. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know it sounds weird, but it's good. So, this movie got nominated for a couple of awards. Um, it got... Renona Ryder was nominated for Best Supporting Actress for a Golden Globe. And she actually won a National Board of Review Award as Best Supporting Actress. And Christina Ricci won Best Supporting Actress for in the Young Artist Awards. Which, that's no cool. Oh, wow. Our first movie, yeah. Um, she really is a gem, isn't she? Christina she's Ricci? great. Yeah. She's cute. I wonder what she's been up to lately. I haven't seen her in anything since those. And am. Uh, I saw the Lizzie, Mc... the Lizzie McGuire. Oh my god. Lizzie Borden movies that she made for Lifetime. Did you oh, see I guess it? that was after that. Yeah. 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 Let's go on IMDb and see what the fuck she said. Oh, that's not true. She made that uh, a season of that um, where she played Elda Fitzgerald for that series for Amazon. That's oh, okay. It was really good. I wish they had done more. Oh, she's going to be in the Matrix 4. Oh, neat. neat. Yeah. I won't be watching that, but good for you. Yeah, <laughs> same. <laughs> <laughs> she was in the Nellie Bly story. Neat. Well, I'll be damned. Of course, Nona is in Stranger Things now, and she's great in that. Cher just got a TikTok. Did you see that? Oh, my God. No. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look it up. It's great. I, as a rule, don't follow many celebrities because I don't know. I don't want to see it. I'm like, no. I'm like, <laughs> you have crews and you have makeup people, and I want to see normal people in here make it big. We already know you have 4 million followers. But yeah, <laughs> I'm totally there for Cher. <laughs> she wouldn't even have to do anything. She could just like sit up in bed and stretch. And everybody would be like, yeah. Oh, yeah. You have to see her first TikTok. It's basically just her introducing herself like eight times. Just like, hi, Cher, I'm on TikTok. Hi, Cher, I'm on TikTok. Hi, I'm on TikTok. <laughs> it's so funny. Well, that about wraps it up. Do you want to plug your TikTok while we're at it? Hashtag L-A-C-E-M-A-C-E. Lace Mace. Is that your handle too? No, Lace Mason. Yeah, well, that's how people are going to follow you, dummy. I'd rather them look at my hashtag. If they go to my hashtag, they still follow me. I get more followers that way. I don't know why. Because they actually watch my stuff. Like, if they click on my hashtag... I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it pulls my videos up differently, and I get more views. And my that's video. what it says on my mug. So don't listen to her. <laughs> my bad. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I know what I'm talking about. I have like two thousand followers, so don't act like I don't know what's up. With 
The kids I babysit, by the way, have more fucking TikTok followers than I do. So, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> I know. It's funny. I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can follow the podcast on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram at weirdos underscore pod. Feel free to shoot us an email at wearetheweirdospodcast at gmail.com. And if you want to support the podcast with a donation, please head over to the anchor.fm page linked in the episode description. You can sign up for a monthly patronage or a one-time donation. If you can't donate, you can still help the podcast out by sharing the show with your friends and followers. Every share helps tremendously. Uh, no, I don't have a huge audience, but I have a little small loyal audience. And if all of you guys would help pimp my show, it would be super helpful. Tell your friends. Uh, so thank you all again for listening. Thank you, Lacey, for joining me. Thanks. It's fun. And until next time, we are the Weirdos Mystery. <laughs>